The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, emerging perspectives on people, process, and profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Hi, Olivia here, and welcome to Quantum Business Insights, where each week we explore new perspectives on the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the world, and with a special emphasis on what I feel is our most valuable asset, our human capital. And today, my guest is David Long, and we'll be discussing his latest book, Built to Lead, Seven Management Rewards Principles for Becoming a Top 10% Manager. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about David. He is a founder and CEO of My Employees, a 25-year-old firm in the top 1% worldwide in the employee engagement and recognition industry. His firm specializes in helping managers build stronger, more engaging relationships with their team members while linking the rewards and recognition program to the desired goals of the company. With 12,000 active clients, including managers at companies such as 2,000 Walmart stores, hundreds of Lowe's, Walgreens, FedEx, Chili's, just to name a few, David is an experienced business professional with a plethora of proven steps to becoming a top 10% manager. And he's shared these steps with many people over the years. And today he'll share some insights and knowledge that are the topic of his book, Built to Lead. So, David, welcome to Quantum Business Insights. Thank you, Olivia. I'm honored to be here with you. Thank you. So, you're quoted as saying, quote, everything you think you know about being a world-class manager is wrong. And you're not mincing words here. So, <laughs> what emboldens you to make such a statement? Yeah, that is kind of a cocky statement, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it gets people's attention, right? <laughs> I actually was going to say, most of what you've heard about being a world-class manager is wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I, would say, I would say that a, a lot of it is wrong, and that's because you know, I've read probably, good gracious, probably between three and 400 different management books over the years mm-hmm. and in my 35-year career, and um, great day. Most of them are nuts and bolts mm-hmm. about how to read a P&L you know, how to, how to squeeze every ounce of profit you can get out of every aspect of the company, cut your expenses, how to increase sales, all those various things. And personally, they, most of them leave out the human. You mentioned it, human capital in your, in your introduction there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's true. And I, I believe, first of all, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Zig Ziglar said when he said, you build your team and your team builds the company. Mm-hmm. And that one word comes to mind, in my mind anyways, leverage. And it's not manipulation. And some people would say, well, Dave, that sounds like manipulation. No, it's not. It's, it's motivation. 
And that's, you have, there's a big, huge difference between the two. Mm-hmm. And when you have your people's best interest at heart, that's not manipulation. That's mm-hmm. motivation. And my people know that. I have almost 50 employees. As you mentioned, we have roughly 12,000 active clients in the U.S. and Canada. And you mentioned various clients of ours. But, uh, you know, I started the company 25 years ago in my mom and dad's garage. Mm-hmm. You know, this, was, this was after me losing my job. And I had, Olivia, I had seven jobs in three and a half years before I started this company. Wow. And, uh, you know, two of, those year, two of those jobs were a year long, AT&T being one of them. And I used to jokingly tell people, and uh, you and I are old enough to remember the slogan that AT&T had back then. But they said, uh, AT&T, the right choice. And I used to put dot, 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 except for David Long. <laughs> I hated it. You know, I hated that big bureaucracy. That drove me crazy. But, and they talk about, they say the big ships turn slowly, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. there are just, in, in, like I said in, in this statement about the things that you've learned are wrong, is that I think the emphasis is wrong on where you put your, your time and your efforts. You're putting it in the wrong things. You can be, you can be as efficient as you want to be mm-hmm. in your costs. But if you don't have clients, you're going to be hurting. And if you don't have great employees, team members, mm-hmm. they're not going to take very good care of your clients and customers, and you'll be failing that way as well. So I would, that's great. And I would argue, which agrees with you, that human capital is becoming even more important because of specialization, technology, people you know, just have to be more skilled. And, and so you were talking about all those leadership books you read, mm-hmm. and, and some of them will, especially with this kind of short-term profit focus but um you know some are saying cut employees and others like you and me are saying build your employees so how do you how do you if you want to if you were asked by a company and they want to cut employees how would you argue that that's the wrong decision well sometimes i would sometimes i wouldn't it depends if it's the wrong type of employee Mm. someone who is if you go to my book's website which is top10manager.com and click on the resources tab. Mm-hmm. On the right-hand side, Olivia, you'll see a poster that has 10 Clydesdale horses pulling one donkey sitting down. Ah, and oh, uh, that is the average, if you want to call it average, world-class company. They have 10 engaged employees for every disengaged or worse, actively disengaged employee. Mm-hmm. But the average U.S. company has only two engaged employees for every disengaged employee. Ooh. And that, that's, that's a huge problem, and that's why uh, I brought that up is because you have to have your people on the same page. If you have too many donkeys, you will not be successful. And I use the analogy uh, of a car. If you have four tires on it, which you do, it's a normal car. Mm-hmm. But if only one of them is, is – if one of those has gone flat, the other three aren't going anywhere either. Yeah. So that's why you have to make sure you have the right people, as Jim Collins said in his great book, Good, uh, Good to Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to make sure that you have a solid foundation from which to build. And if you have constant problems with an employee all the time, bad attitude, you can talk to them all you want to, and then you know a week or two or a month later they are got their bad attitude again, mm-hmm. that is just who they are. If you can't change them, get rid of them. Mm, okay. That, it's like weight around your neck. You will never be successful. Wow, that makes a lot of sense, and probably different than people that are or companies that are just cutting to cut costs. You're you're saying, well, it actually is one of the chapters in your book, um, 
which follow the word rewards. I love that. But the chapter Back three, yes. <laughs> yeah, reconnaissance. So you say hire, write, train, prune, and repeat. And that's kind of what you were saying. So how would you coach a company or help a company hire, write, and then actually follow those steps? Well, you know, that's the, about the first thing. When it, reconnaissance, the whole reason, of course, they call it recon in the military. Mm-hmm. But the whole reason that is the, the very first uh, you know, letter, if you will, in my, my acronym for rewards is because you need to know, first of all, your foundation. And like I said with the car, if you have a bad tire on there, it's going to keep you from getting where you want to get. Mm-hmm. So you have to fix that situation, especially if it keeps going flat. I use the analogy also of a rocket ship. If you are taking off and the vast amount of energy is used to take off from the landing pad, but if you just take off a little bit and you lose momentum and steam, if you will, you go back down and you keep going up and you never actually get to the stars. You never Mm -hmm. go to the moon. So that's the weakness, if you will, of having the wrong people on your team. I tell people, sit down with each of your management staff and you need to see if that is, you know, if you can build on them, you want solid people, especially in the ranks of management, because you can never expect your people to be any better than your management team. Mm. So you want to sit down with the managers, and if they're not doing the job right, get rid of them. I had to do that about, uh, well, back in February. You know, it happens. We're, we are definitely a world-class company. Uh, you know, the world-class company, basically, any, any company that has 10, it's a 10 to 1 ratio. We're more like a 25 to 1. You know, mm-hmm. I can only think of one person in my company we had kicking shins a little bit. Everybody else is doing their job without being, being cattle prodded. That's mm-hmm. the key. So, you know, you want to make sure you have the right people. Sit down with your management team. Make sure they're good to go. And then sit down with each manager and assess each employee in their department mm-hmm. and determine the same situation again. Should I keep them? You know, I want to fix them if I can. You've mm-hmm. already invested thousands upon thousands of dollars in every employee you have there. Mm-hmm. So let's try to fix them first. But if they are unfixable, then let's replace them. Yeah, right. Well, so your second letter in your acronym rewards is education. So it sounds right. like that would be the next step once you feel like they are sort of trainable. So right. How would that work? Well, actually, there's two different aspects of that particular chapter on education. The first one is the mastermind. And the mastermind principle, of course, Napoleon Hill, think and grow rich. Every successful entrepreneur, business owner, manager out there has read that book probably multiple times like I have. And probably sure you, I'm sure you have. Mm-hmm. But it's a classic. So, I mean, it talks about the mastermind principle. And you use that in several different ways. Here in our area, I have a local CEO's multiple uh, – pardon me, six CEO's of multimillion-dollar companies. We meet once a month. And Olivia, every one of those people, to a person – when I first asked them to join our mastermind group or to come see if they wanted to join our mastermind group, they all said, Dave, I don't have time to meet with you and your business friends. <laughs> but now, once they came one time and saw what we're about, they will just get aggravated if we have a meeting when they're out of town. So nowadays, we schedule the mastermind meetings three to four months ahead of time so everybody can get their schedule around it. Wow. So that's huge. And you know, I tell people... To every time that they come in there every month, they have to come up with one of two things. They, uh, they will come in with a challenge that they're having. Maybe it's a bad employee we were talking about. How mm-hmm. do we fix this person or should we let them go? Or an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, Here's one of the markets we're thinking about going after. What do you guys think about it? And we shoot holes in each other's thinking. 
Mm. Because we want to make sure, and you know this, Olivia, it's a lot cheaper to fix something before it goes afoul along the way. So you want to make sure you're not spending tons of money on something that's not a good idea. Right. So, you know, most CEOs, you know, big, huge corporations, they have a lot of people to talk with. But a lot of business owners, even in multiple, you know, multi-million dollar CEOs of, of multi-million dollar companies, sometimes they don't have a whole lot of people they can talk with. So that's how powerful a mastermind group is. And you can take a mastermind group and create that from management teams from various locations of a particular company. You know, you mentioned one of our clients is FedEx Ground. Mm-hmm. You know, they are just some phenomenal people. We love dealing with them. They're great. But they can take terminal managers and meet in an area and discuss the various situations. That is a mastermind meeting, a mastermind. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to do. The second half part of, if you will, of education is what has made me immensely successful. And that is our book club meetings. And you're going like, what the heck is a book club meeting? Okay. (laughs) First of all, most people envision that, you know, six kids sitting around a table when they were in the second grade taking turns reading. No, that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) We are talking about – here's how I got the idea. Uh, Dr. Tony Zeiss is the the president of Central Piedmont Community College in Charlotte, North Carolina, which, by the way, that may not sound like a big deal, but that's the largest community college network in the nation. Hmm. And Tony is a sharp individual. And after I read his book, I said, man, this is great. I've got to get this for my employees. So I had 12 employees at the time, including myself. So I ordered another 11 copies. By the way, Tony's a good friend and mentor now. After mm. I read that book, I wanted to know this guy. So What was the book I, name? I'm it's sorry. It's called 12. I'm, good. I'm sorry. I didn't say that. Thank you. <laughs> it's the 12 Essential Laws for Becoming Indispensable. Mm. Actually, Olivia, it's actually out of print, but I'm looking to uh, very possibly help uh, reprint that because I, it meant so much to me and my company. I, I want that to be shared with the world. I think Tony, I talked with Tony not too long ago. He's actually going to do that. Oh, so it'll be available again. But right now, I believe it's out of print. Wow. You can find a copy occasionally, though, for sure. He's written other books, too, but that's just the one I happened to start with. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I met with my employees, I got the books in, and I called them all in the break room. And I said, all right, guys, passed out these books and highlighters and notebooks. And I said, all right, what we're going to do is I want you guys to read Chapter 1. It happens to be on Attitude. And I want you to come back here next Wednesday. I'm going to order pizza, and over lunch, we're going to sit around and talk about what we learned in this chapter. Hmm. And they looked at me like I'd lost my mind. <laughs> like, what the heck? You know, I don't want to do that. Nobody was enthusiastic to be jumping up and down and going, Dave, you are so awesome. You know, it wasn't anything like that. <laughs> uh, so basically, they came in, and nobody said a cock-eyed word, <laughs> period. Oh, and so I said, okay, guys, you know, attitude. So I gave a couple of times in my own life where my attitude caused me problems. Hmm. So one by one, Olivia... Over the next three or four weeks, everybody loosened up, warmed up to the idea, and started sharing, and that radically changed the company culture because Mm -hmm. we all got to know each other better. Now, from that first book, today we've read books, for example, we've read Think and Grow Rich together, but we've also read books like Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm -hmm. And uh, from that book, by the way, out of my 40-some employees we have now, three of my employees either emailed me or told me in person, Dave, that book has saved my marriage. One of our, one of our employees, a, a female, actually she had been separated from her husband. And she read that book with us in book club, and she said, I realize I'm the selfish one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's that great. changed, and they're back together now, and they're doing great. But, you know, it's from that book. And see – I buy books that do not just make me money and make the employee money. We do those too. Mm -hmm. But I want my people to be well-rounded. I don't want them getting – you know, we did Dave Ramsey's course, 
Financial Peace University. By the way, I'm the first company in this nation, from what they told me, that they sold that to. That was typically only sold to churches. Interesting. Church groups. And I, I browbeat them until they sold it to me. I said, look, you're telling me you want to help people. I have a, a team that I want to help with this, and you're not going to sell it to me. So I, I, keep, I kept after them until they sold it to me. <laughs> so, so we watch DVDs. It's not just books. All We call it book club, but we do mm-hmm. things, whatever it takes to make our people successful. So well, we go ahead. Oh, I was saying it sounds like the first thing it did was build trust, which is Absolutely. so important. And, and the other thing is that a lot of times, especially now that companies are having to be more agile and self people have to be sort of self-empowered and motivated that what's good for a company is also good for families. And it sounds like you've proven that as well. It is. And the beautiful thing about it is, is I don't want my people being distracted or, you know, in an irritated state because someone's calling them, for example, about a past due bill. Mm. I don't, I want them taking exceptionally wonderful care of our clients. And Mm -hmm. uh, for them to do that, they have to be, non-distracted if you will so that's mm-hmm. that's part of it but we want we want to work with every aspect of them in their lives to make them immensely successful and we have extremely low turnover at our company i mean i've got i've got people i had one guy tell me not too long ago uh, travis sowers who works with us he said dave the only way i'm ever leaving this company is you've pu- pushed me out the door and locked the door behind me wow <laughs> you like to hear that right so that's good so that's the two elements of education mm, beautiful so what can you tell me of, about how winners emerge? Okay. Yeah, the W in, in rewards yes. in the is, uh, is winners emerge. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about book club is it, it's a platform, if you will, for people to show their skills, mm. to show how they handle people, to show you know, how they uh, converse and share their ideas and if they're motivational in their responses to people, if they're building people up or tearing them down. One of the greatest success stories that I believe that we've had in book club, and this shows how winners emerge. We have the most uh, introverted employee that works at our company. His name Josh. And uh, he is just a super kid. But I remember we were, we were just to challenge our people. The management team said, anyone out here you know, in, our, in our company that wants to lead book club, let us know. We'll let you do it. Give you a little experience up in front of people and everything. Well, Josh, Josh Straw, is we have like three Joshes at the company. So Josh Straw, he works in production. And he said, he told one of my management team that he wanted to do it. And I'm not going to kid you, Olivia. As soon as I heard that he wanted to do it, I said, Josh Straw wants to do it? <laughs> right. you know, and I said, wow, that's saying something. So it was so cute because when he got up there, he had the book in his hand. And his hand was shaking with the book in his hand. You know? But he did a great job. And he just really has just come out of his shell. He's still introverted. I'm not saying we've totally radically changed him from introvert to extrovert. But he's just so much more comfortable now with the other people because he did that. He stretched. Well, so and, in that case, winners emerged. Yeah, and you, you provided a safe environment where he felt like he could take that risk. and Absolutely. And, and that's so great because people can be really talented, but you may never know. Unless you do that, like create that safe environment or support them. Sure. That's, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Wow. That's beautiful. Um, so the next A, we talked a little bit, or I mean, so the next letter in the acronym is A, which we've sort of talked about is uh-huh. attitude. Um, 
And you did mention, I think, that if somebody just has a bad attitude and they don't seem to be able to change, you you get rid of them. Um, do you also have a way of helping people if they're, say, having personal problems like coaching or um, ways, I guess, that maybe you want to keep them but their attitude isn't good and it might be just conditional? Do you have anything like that or suggestions? Yeah, what we typically do is, is we um, will talk with the individual and let them know, hey, there's an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we're having some complaints from some other employees or something. So we don't just cut their legs out from under them, if you will. Yeah. You know, we let them know, hey, there's an issue. So let's address that and uh, find out what's the problem, what's going on in your life, mm-hmm. you know, that, you, uh, that we need to talk about this. So, um, you know, we want to hear that. We want to give them an opportunity to let them know, hey, there's an issue. Let's fix it. Mm-hmm. But and we've had people that, that will, that's enough to take care of it in most cases. But then occasionally you'll get someone who is habitually a complainer. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we figure out that's the case, after we've talked to them, at least, at least Olivia, we talked to them three times. Mm-hmm. And if they don't clean up their act after that, then we, just, we see that that's just the individual who they are. Olivia, if you remember uh, back, I think Michael Jackson, back when he was in the Jackson 5, had a song called One Bad Apple Spoils the Whole Bunch. So we, we don't allow that. So if someone is, a, like I said, habitual problem, continuously causing us grief and starting to spread discord among the other employees, we let them go, plain and simple. We, like I said, warn them three times, but that's it. Three times strikes you out. Well, that makes sense because that really destroys trust when there's one person kind of making it hard on everyone else. You wow. know, Libby, let, me, let me add something to that, too, because this is something and every, every business owner or manager out there has probably had this happen to them at one time or another. And that is when you finally let somebody go who has been a, who has been a pain in the backside, it's not uncommon for people to come up and say, Wow, you know, I'm really glad you let them go. I, they were really a pain in the butt. But they never said anything before it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just one person out of ten will say something. But it's just so frustrating. Why would you want to put up with that junk every day if they're driving you crazy? Well, you people, can't allow them to run off your best people. <laughs> yeah, and people may not real. they might think it's something they're doing, you know, so they're afraid <laughs> to true, say yeah. anything like, oh, that's well, true. you're the problem. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that's where a good keen manager is needed. And so we have about four minutes to the break. Can you offer any thoughts around how you screen for attitude when you're hiring? Yeah, we just try to see how, you know, how cordial they are, how, what their personality's like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, are they snippy at all? You know, a lot of times people are phenomenal interviewers, if you will, yeah. or interviewees. Uh, but they are lousy employees. And we have basically, we have a 90-day policy. Mm. Uh, you know, we're going to try you out and you're going to try us out. Mm. Uh, and that's, we just put that in place just to make sure. You know, if you are who you are, in 90 days, if you're a pretty sorry person, you're going to show your colors. You're going to show your stripes, if you will. And uh, we, we want to make sure that's not a, like a, a freak thing. But if it's a habitual thing again, you know, we're just going to let them go. We're not going to spend, you know, many, many thousands of dollars and more money. We spend typically in 90 days on average, the average employee, anywhere between four and uh, 5000 just in training costs. So we'll cut, them, we'll cut it short. Matter of fact, I did exactly what uh, Tony Shea did at Zappos. He offered, I think, 2000 I, I actually I bumped it to 2500 
I told my employees in our book club meetings, and, and you know, we have to come in on Wednesday morning at 10, the other half Thursday morning at 10, and because we're too big now to do it in one group. But uh, I told them, look, guys, I would rather give you the $2,500. Please come see me after this meeting and let me write you a check and let you go somewhere else if you're not happy here. Mm-hmm. We don't want you to be unhappy, but we, we definitely don't want you to be unhappy and be here. <laughs> so nobody came out of both groups. So that was almost 50 employees. And no one took me up on the $2,500. So, Well, that says a lot about your company. That's great. Well, so we have just a couple minutes. I think, why don't we go to break now? And okay. then when we come back, we'll have a, a longer time to kind of focus. Right. Um, so the, I just want to reintroduce you, my guest, David Long. And we're talking about his book, or your book, uh, Built to Lead. And... Um, Seven Management Rewards Principles for Becoming a Top 10% Manager. And you can get the book uh, if you buy a hardback copy and email David with your a copy of your receipt. He will give Amazon, you... Amazon, right? At, Amazon. And on Amazon. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he'll give you a free, kin, a free Kindle copy. And I sure you, will. <laughs> so you can email David at davidlong.com. Uh, no, at, David Long at, at top10manager.com. <laughs> Thank you. And also more information at myemployees.com. Thank sure. you. Yes, so I'm trying to read my, my scratchy notes here. Um, so we'll take a break now and we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to... To Quantum Business Insights. Hi, Olivia here again with David Long. We're talking about his great new book, Built to Lead, Seven Management Rewards Principles for Becoming a Top 10% Manager. So before the break, we talked about what we learned about management and how it's most of it's been wrong, what we've been taught. And then we kind of got into the actually the acronym of the word rewards. We talked about reconnaissance, hiring and training, pruning and repeating, um, getting the right employees. And then uh, the E, educating, uh, winners emerge was the next letter and how that can happen in the right culture. And then attitude and how important that is. So we're now up to R, recognition. And I love this quote in your book, the deepest principle of human nature is the craving to be appreciated. And there's so much research out there that say after a certain point, your your employees work not for the money, but really for the recognition and, and all the things that come with that. So what what would be your advice to a, a wannabe manager or a wannabe good manager about recognition? Well, you know, that of course that's what my employees, that's what the company does. You know, I mean that's that's the gist of it. But the the thing is, is this is from the Gallup organization, they found that sixty-five percent from surveys, that 65% of employees said they received no recognition at all from their manager in the last year. Mm. 65%. And that, to me, is a tragedy. And if you want to see why there's such a wide disparity or wide chasm, if you will, between management and, if you want to call it labor, there's your reason. It's because there is no bond at all there. You know, you have a lot of management books. They say, don't get too close to your employees. You, you can't. You know, I am very close with my employees, but if one of them tries to take advantage of that situation, I quickly snap to it and let them know, no, 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 no. You're not changing things because you're being friendly to me right here. That's not <laughs> happening. You know, but recognition is huge. And here's the George Mason University. This is something from about, oh, 15, 20 years ago. But then there's another report 50 years ahead of that. So this is just consistent down through the years. They took 10 different criteria and they asked managers to rank these 10 criteria that you think matter to employees. And then they ask employees the exact same thing with the 10 criteria, and they rank them. And guess what managers had as number one that they thought employees wanted? Not, they wanted money. Mm-hmm. So when, you, when they ask the employees, employees put money at number five. Employees had number one thing that they wanted from their career, their job, if you will, whatever, is they wanted to feel like they were making a contribution to the success of the company. And right behind it in the second position was being recognized for making that contribution to the company. 
you know, and that's the difference. You know where managers had employee recognition at number eight. So it's like a 180 degree flip flop. I mean, wow. they're not even they're not even close to being on the same page. So that's the problem is that, you know, managers have to realize it doesn't really matter what they think about employee recognition. It only matters what their people think. And here's the, the thing to me that is so important, is everyone, you and I and everyone else, Olivia, we all want first and foremost to be shown that we are significant. Mm-hmm. And if we're not shown that we're significant in a relationship, the relationship falls apart. It doesn't matter if it's a husband and wife or a boss and an employee, period. Well, you know, that's that, huge. It is. And it, it, to me, it sort of speaks to just human nature that we really just want to be seen for who we are in our, in our soul or whatever your, you know, connotation of that part of us. But um, that makes so much sense. And I love the fact that the Gallup poll number one wasn't being recognized, but feeling like they were contributing. So to me, that's very inspiring and gives me hope for our human race. Absolutely. Absolutely, it does. You know, that's uh, recognition is extremely important, and you need to use as many chances as you can to actually to, to recognize the people for something they're doing. By the way, Olivia, it's, it's critically important that it is for something specific. Here's the difference. Is if I said to you, Olivia, you're doing a great job, you know, pat you on the back and then walk off. Mm-hmm. Wow, that that's you know that didn't mean a whole lot. But if I say, Olivia, I just wanted you to know, I had asked you to do that report for me and have it in by Friday. You got it here in at Tuesday. Man, you are awesome. Great job. Now that is specific. But this wander, you know, it's kind of like Zig Ziglar. I think it was that said, "It's better to be a meaningful specific than a wandering generality." Interesting. And this is exactly what you need to do. So you need to be clear, very clear about it. You need to look for opportunities at every chance possible to recognize the people, but make it legitimate. Don't fake it. They'll see it. You won't have any credibility at all, and you will not bond with your people. Take the chance to do it. And by the way, it doesn't have to cost any. What did I just tell you? I did, what I just said, you didn't cost a thing for you to say that to right. somebody. You know, but it depends on the size of your team. But you need to recognize, uh, you know, we, we do, for example, at our company, we have roughly 47, I think, employees, and we recognize four titles a month, four different category of the employees. We do like sales, we do support, we do RCs, which are our recognition consultants that once the, the salespeople, you know, work with the client to come on board, they turn them over to the RCs and the RCs babysit them, we say, where we make sure that they get the criteria in place to pick the right people. In other words, why, what, what, when I say criteria, let me explain that. Mm-hmm. Is I don't, when we say salesperson of the month, then we say, yes, they had the, this amount of sales, but they had this amount of referrals. They had this amount of samples that they sent, various things like that. You rank the criteria so that if someone wins, Olivia, everybody knows it's legitimate. Mm. If you do not do something like that, and this is where most managers fail when they do employee recognition, is that they, it becomes a personality contest. You'll have managers will say, well, we let the employees pick. Really? Olivia, people might really might really like, you know, Tom. But Tom comes in late every day, but he's always telling jokes and everybody laughs and various things like that, but he doesn't turn his work in on time. He's mm. pretty much a joke. But because everybody likes him, he gets voted because he's gonna win Mr. Popularity. And then Olivia here, you come in, you 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 come early, you stay late, you do a great job, but nobody notices you, and you're you should be the top employee. 
But that's typically what happens, and that's why employee recognition programs fail in most companies because mm-hmm. they do not pay attention to specifics such as criteria. Interesting. So it sounds like there's maybe two ways to look at recognition. One is a formal process, which the company has, and it has really specific criteria. And another one might just be, hey, great job on that, you know, and it does, it's not like it's com- in a competition with anybody else, but, <laughs> right. you know, just to let them know. And, and I think this is a business show, but this works in families and friendships as and, well. Yes, right? it does. It sure does. Um, I just have really learned that over the years and, and see how people blossom, you know, my kids <laughs> as well as right. employees for that. Um, that's great. So the next letter in the acronym rewards is duplication. And it sounds like you're speaking to really helping people become what they're capable of becoming. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, the duplication. I actually developed what I call my Shark's Teeth Leadership Development Program. And first of all, when you think of a shark's mouth, you, you know, if you know anything about sharks, they have their front row of teeth, but then right behind each tooth are other teeth that are laying down. And when a shark gets in a fight with another shark or with a prey like a seal or something and a tooth pops out, another one pops right up behind it. So duplication means that we have an ongoing leadership development funnel, if you will, assembly line, if you want to call it that, where we have other people in the wings ready to have their moment in the sun in leadership positions in our company. Now, I will all the time, I never go more than two months without doing this, is I ask my managers, I'll say, if you're one of my managers, Livia, I'd say, Livia, God forbid something happens to you, but who in your department do you recommend to take your place or maybe someone else in the company to take your place if something happened to you? And then you would tell me who that person was. You might want to say, well, uh, Becky is an exceptionally great employee. And my next question would, would be to you is, okay, what are you doing, Olivia, to groom Becky for leadership? Mm-hmm. And I put that on you. And we spend a lot of money to have courses, books, and everything available to do that. But I expect you as this employee's leader, manager, if you will, to make sure they're getting the proper grooming. Not just formal within the company, but mentorship with you and her. So that's critical. And they have to be able to tell me who that is. And a lot of times I'll ask them, all right, who's the second person, just in case the first one doesn't work out. Hmm. So I expect them to go too deep. And, you know, we rarely ever have to replace a manager, but we had to replace one back in February. And that was the first one in years. And, uh, you know, we were ready. We had people ready because of this process. Wow, I haven't heard of other companies doing this. Is this something <laughs> you've developed on your own? Do you yeah, know? in that regard, yes, it is. Very interesting, because I know I've been in companies that work basically two ways. One is you'd be af- people were afraid to develop somebody under them because yeah. then they might get knocked out to save mean? money, right? Insecurity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're a high-paid manager, why would you want to make it easy to get rid of you? But um, but the companies that I've been in that are very growth-oriented and like ours, yeah, and build trust. Yeah. This makes a lot of sense. And also, I had a really great manager at one of the banks I worked at, and he said, "You know, I can't get promoted unless I have somebody to take my place. So I want to develop you." And I thought, "Okay, that makes sense, right?" <laughs> so if you're growing, well, he chose you, so that's good. Yeah, exactly. 
So um, your next, we're now down to the last letter in the word right. rewards, success. Yep, so how right. do you define that? Tell me what you're thinking as uh, so far as success. Well, my idea of success is not what everyone, I would say that most people's idea is. And I say that because I, I don't believe, and in, in like I, in, in, we were talking before the interview started, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate, my wife and I are fortunate enough to be included in the 1%, if you will, mm-hmm. of the highest paid, you know, uh, if you want to say wealthiest people in the country. Um, and we're very blessed for that. But I've had, we've been in that for many years. But I want to say this. It's not the money that makes you successful. Someone said money is the only way of keeping score. Uh, and I will say this. Money is a tool, but it's also a great amplifier. And when I say amplifier, I mean that if you're a great person, more money makes you an even greater person. You can do wonderful things with it. But if you're an evil, uh, selfish, you know, self-absorbed individual – Adding money to you just makes you go further into the wormhole, if you will. Mm-hmm. You just, you're just even more bitter and selfish, and uh, you just want to try to, you know, you're a miser. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what it is. And personally, and I use the illustration about the power, if you will, of why money will not make you successful. In the book, I talk about the guy who won, I think he was in Kentucky, who won the largest lottery at the time uh, years ago. It was like $294 million was the payout he took. And this guy was a millionaire, Olivia, before he won the lottery. He had 100 employees, a very successful man, a wonderful family. And he had his granddaughter, who was the apple of his eye. He loved her. He spoiled her. And, but he didn't have all, you know, he could have given her a lot more things, but he didn't. Well, when he won the lottery, you know, he pretty much, he bought her three cars. He gave her 1500 to 2000 a week uh, in spending money. She was a high school student. She mm-hmm. dropped out of high school, started hanging around with the wrong crowd, started doing drugs. To make a long story short, she ended up ODing on drugs <sighs> and they found her dead. And, uh, and this guy, remember, he was very successful. His employees loved him. His family loved him. Well, he started going to strip clubs. He just had people start coming and asking him for money. So much so, Olivia, that he had to hire a guy to handle all the calls and letters asking for money. And uh, he got, you know, the thing is, is when you have a lot of money, is people come to you and ask you for it. You don't win either way. If, you, if they ask you for money and you give them some, it's not enough. Or they come back again. And then you don't give it to them. And then you're a low life. They hate you. How selfish of you. You're not helping me. You know, you win, it, you win the money and all of a sudden re- friends or relatives come out of the woodwork saying, uh, Dave, my car is really old. It's got 200,000 miles on it. I really could use a new car. Mm. You know, I mean, this is, this is the way I say money will not make you truly happy yeah. is because what happened with this, this guy who won this lottery? He ultimately ended up losing his entire family, his business, all his employee relationships he had with him. All his friends, all his family, his granddaughter died. He, get to, he got divorced, as I said, with his wife. He lost everything. And AT&T, pardon me, AT&T, ABC profiled him on that 2020 show that they have. And I remember at the end of the interview, he said, and I quote, the worst thing that ever happened to me was winning the lottery. Wow. Now, if you ask people, what would, you, would be the nicest thing that could happen to you? Win the lottery. You mm-hmm. know. Sorry, but it would not. It would, could very easily destroy you and do exactly to you what it did to this man who already was a millionaire and knew how to manage his money. But when he got that money, he did not earn Olivia. 
Oh. It changed him. And like I said, it's an amplifier, and it turned him into something. And he was known as a pretty good guy, but it, it did a 180 on him. It turned him into something he did not want to be. Oh, that's fascinating. And in my case, I've had a couple times in my life where I've received reasonably large, not nothing in the millions, but enough that if I had invested wisely, I might never have had to work again. Yeah. And what I realized was that for me, working and having to make a living to survive and take care of kids was the way that I had to learn about my own strength and and grow, you know, so I'm I'm clear that that was my path. And I could see how, well, for him, what he earned, he was responsible for, but what he didn't earn, it's just so fascinating how it can mess with your mind. It does. Let me, let me give you an example. I told you what's negative about what people say is uh, success. Another thing, too, before I get off of that, you know, when you have money, you have problems. Some, I've had people tell me, Dave Long, if I had your money, I wouldn't have any problems. And I literally, Olivia, laugh out loud literally. <laughs> When they say that, just like you did, because I've, I, when I talk with people, I, sometimes I'll say, and I'll ask for a show of hands, and I'll say, how many people have in here have had their friends or family contact you and ask you to buy their house out of foreclosure and rent it to them? And no one ever raises their hand. Well, Olivia, I've had that twice done mm. to me, twice. And uh, it's, a very, it's a very uncomfortable conversation, let me say. Yeah. And it's like I said, when you have money, more money than what you're used to, it brings a whole new level of problems. Yes, mm-hmm. people say, well, I'd rather have those problems. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, it's just not raw roses, uh, you know, uh, tea and crumpets, as they say, when you have that situation. There are negative downsides. But the positive side of success, success that's what I want to talk about, yeah. is uh, a couple of years ago, Christmas time, my employees gave me a chest. I call it my treasure chest. There's mm-hmm. a picture of it in my book, by the way. And um, in that, they had placed cards and letters and things that they had given me that were telling me what I had meant to their lives. Mm. And I mean to tell you, I cannot get through three or four of those things without breaking down because it's just powerful. I mean, they're just saying, you know, you, you know, things like you saved my marriage or, you know, you, you stopped me. You know, I was doing drugs and, you know, you, you told me about the dangers of various things. I was go about to get in a destructive relationship. And you told me that's not the right person for you. You know, <laughs> when you know your people like you should know them. You care about them. They know it. And the loyalty is immense. There's a loyalty, but it starts with the leader first to the people and Mm. then from the people back to the leader. So really, they were giving you the recognition that they could give you. Yes, yes. Which, wow, how beautiful. And they they gave me that significance that we all crave. Mm. Oh, that's just so inspiring. And I hope other managers hear this because think about how – much peace we could bring to the world if every company oh, yeah. was led this way, you know. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. And so, you know, Zig, Zig Ziglar said, you know, to get what you want in life, and this, I use this quote in my book, and it's one of my favorite quotes in my whole lifetime, I believe, is that mm-hmm. he said, you can have anything you want in life if you will first help other people get what they want. And if you have that mindset, you, there was nothing that can stop you. Mm. Well, that's beautiful. Well, we have about seven minutes left. Okay. So I'd love to talk about some of the 
resources on your website. You have a, a section in your book, a to-do list. So maybe we talked about the mastermind group and a book group. Um, do you have any other suggestions that you could share for people to kind of get started besides going and buying your book on Amazon? And we'll talk about that too. <laughs> all right. uh, first of all, I would, I would say the number one thing a person should do if they want to be a leader or if they are a leader and want to maintain that is to constantly learn things. And let me tell you why that's important. Is because according to a World at Work survey, and I mentioned this in my book as well, but according to a World at Work survey, they found that for every 100 employees in a given company, only six or seven of those people will ever be promoted to management. Mm -hmm. And of those six or seven, Olivia, less than one will ever be promoted to the second level. The rest don't make it. So what we're saying is that 1%, one person out of 100 in any given company makes it to the second level. The rest fail. So I want my, the reason I wrote my book is, is to help increase the numbers of successful people. You know, I, I think that if you will read and constantly learn. Today, I never, ever work in my company at all, Olivia. I only work on it. Mm. You know, I tell people today that I am the coach, cheerleader without the skirt, and mentor. You know, to my people. And uh, that's what I do. I work on improving them. I love, I've got, I'm at my library uh, in my home and I'm looking up on the wall and I see Abraham Lincoln's picture. And I remember him, he said, if I have six hours to cut down a tree, I'm going to spend the first four hours sharpening my axe. And that's what I do with my people. I work on making my people better, period. And that's all I do. You know, I try to make sure that we learn things, improve things. I'm constantly learning. Three to four hours a day I read. Even when I'm on vacation sometimes, I read that much. Uh, you can only see so many things a day before you get tired of it. <laughs> so yeah. I, like, I like to read and I like to learn. And I, I foster that uh, habit in my people. That's great. All right. And um, when – so – you do you have you said you have book groups at your company so yes. people can book club can, once a week be, be, be continuing to learn that's really uh, such a nice bonus I would say or or perk I'm paying to be in the room that's great yeah on their uh, time when they're actually being paid to work wow on my, if you want to say on my time yes it's in there forty hours or whatever right so one of your we've got about. Four minutes. One of your to-do list is persistence, and I've been accused by my family of being too persistent. And for <laughs> for years, I used to defend myself, and then I said, "You know what? That's why I'm successful." So exactly stop, right. You know. So tell us what yeah. you think about persistence. Yeah, I, I think that the vast majority of the population um, they quit after one try. Mm. If things don't go the way they think they should, or if somebody sells them a, a, a bucket of junk, you know, where they say, well, this is so easy to do. And then when it's not that easy to do, they quit. And, uh, you know, no one ever, once again, we go back to that, that rocket on the launch pad situation. If you're constantly taking off and going back down, you're never going to be successful. You have to sustain whatever it is you want to do. First of all, figure out, if we're talking about career-wise or, you know, in a leadership position, make sure you're working with a company that you believe in what they do or what they, you know, what they do for people or other mm-hmm. businesses. And uh, you have to believe in it because if you don't believe in it, you're living a lie. And you will never, ever put everything, heart and soul into something that you know is a lie. Mm-hmm. And not only that, if you're successful, uh, you know, this is a great example. Um, 
I just drew a blank who it was. Uh, I can think about it later. Anyway, he said that a person who is a drug dealer might drive around in a nice car, but are they successful? No, they destroy lives mm-hmm. with their product. And that's what we're not wanting in our lives. So you can have the trappings of success, but when you go to bed and you put your head on your pillow at night and you know that you deceitfully and wrongly cheated people and destroyed their lives to get what you wanted, that is not success. Agreed? Yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, so you can. So that's one way you can have a lot of money and even maybe power, but yes. you're, you're not successful. Or The way I look at it is if it's not serving the greater good, then it's not really success. That's true. Um, and, and I love how you sh- say you do well, you have many of the benefits of being financially successful, but yeah. you're, it sounds like you're really showing up every day in service. Is that yes. a fair statement? That's right. And, and you must, it, there's, there must be so much satisfaction in that, I would imagine. Just there is. I love my life. <laughs> every day. Very simple. Yeah. Every day is fun. Well, we have about a minute left. Do you have any final thoughts? Or Please, first, um, remind everybody about your book offer. Okay. So okay, get sure. it right <laughs> instead of yeah. me trying. And then, yeah, right and then final yeah. thoughts. Sure. Yeah, just uh, if you – and I, I really – I want everybody to read the book. So I'm wanting to offer this to your listeners today is because if they will go to Amazon.com and go search for Built to Lead by David Long and buy the hardback copy of the book – and send me an email with their receipt to davidlong at top10manager.com. I will send them the Kindle version of the book for free. Now, that sells for 10 bucks on, on Amazon, but I want them to read it. I want them to have my book with them everywhere they go. So I'm willing to do that because I really want them to read it because I know it will change their life. Olivia, I have been fortunate enough to be a top 10% manager. If you want to get technical, top 1%, but I didn't want to scare people off with the top 1%, but top 1% in three separate unrelated industries in my career. Mm. And I know what I'm talking about. And I want people to read the book because I want them to have a much, much better life than they have now. Oh, well, thank you. It was so inspiring. And it looks like we're out of time. So I just want to thank you for being my guest today. And I hope you'll come back and visit us again. I'd love to, Olivia. Thank you. My pleasure. So for a full description of next week's and other upcoming shows, as well as access to all past shows and guest bios, please visit www.quantumbusinessinsights.com. I'm your host, Olivia Parrud, saying thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights, and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parrud, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 